find out what's making you sick and how to heal. Anthony William is the medical medium. Hello, I'm Anthony William. You're listening to the Medical Medium Radio Show, where each week I talk about the most advanced healing information and secrets about health, much of which is not found anywhere else and is decades ahead of what's out there now. I've always said, who has 10 or 20 years to wait for answers? Life is precious. Who has 30 years to wait for answers and truth about chronic illness, about all the different illnesses and autoimmune diseases and symptoms and conditions and mystery problems? Who has time to waste? We need the answers now, now, now. I've been fortunate enough to have a gift come to me when I was at the age of four so that I could give it to everybody else and give the gift to everybody else, give them the information that they need to heal. I've dedicated my life. I've helped heal tens of thousands of people, move them forward. Now it's in the hundreds of thousands, and I want to do the same for you in any way I can, any possible way I can. And um, have you picked up thyroid healing? It's really helpful. Check it out if you haven't already. Same with the other books, Life Changing Foods or Medical Medium. Look into them if you're looking for answers or if you're confused or what you're doing isn't working enough or working at all. So check those out if you can. Today's show, endometriosis. This is an important one because this is a great mystery, like a really great mystery. At least, you know, what happens is with a lot of autoimmune diseases, um, different illnesses, different chronic illness, the theories they have are they're, they're never the theories are never right about any of the chronic illnesses out there. But at the same time, they at least can like hang their hat on a theory that feels comfortable enough for the medical community to be like, okay, sure, okay, no, that okay, autoimmune, the body's attacking itself. Okay, I'll buy into that. And that's not true, by the way. That's not how it works. The body doesn't attack itself. You guys know how it works, um, who know me and know my information and the truth that comes out. But the bottom line is, is that when it comes down to endometriosis, it's not even, there's not even stuff, there's not even stuff to make people feel comfortable as far as to clear up the mystery. There's not even information to even help clear up the mystery to even a point where everybody feels comfortable in the medical communities. Even the medical communities are like, well, yeah, they just throw their hands up in the air. Sure, I mean, we have procedures to removing endometriosis when it gets attached to the outside of the colon. You know, we do surgical procedures and we go in there and we, we, uh, we, we, we lift off the pods, the tiny little cysts, and we try to, we try to snip and clear out the adhesions the best we can. Some really good doctors know how to do this procedure. And um, it's more successful, I think a little bit more successful now for some people than it was in the past. And so it's, it's, you know, that's helpful. It's, that's been helpful for people. And then some people, you know, they've, they've not had a lot of luck with that. But still, there's, there's ways to deal with it out there in the medical realm. But that's just, you know, and then there's not a lot, though, to offer about why it even happens. What even happens? Why does endometriosis occur? Why are these uh, endometrial cells attaching themselves to the bladder? Why are they attaching themselves around the ovaries? Why is this even occurring? That's the, it's like a massive mystery. It's like, meaning all chronic illness is mystery, but at least in a lot of different areas of chronic illness, everybody can get comfortable with whatever lie or scam 
<laughs> or whatever it is in the medical industry that they want to pass off something, you know, some kind of thing. Like, first of all, it was all in your head years ago. No, you're crazy. It's all in your head. Your symptoms aren't even real. So that that whole thing they try to pass on everybody, right? And everybody bought into that. You know, I talk about that in thyroid healing. And then, you know, there's been one after another, one after another, all the way up to autoimmune. Now it's the gene theory. Everything's genes. Doesn't matter what it is at this point. It's like, oh, it's your genes. That's your, that's just, you're going to have that disease because it's genetic. Uh, we might have a somewhat of a treatment that could almost work, but it's, it's, or not, but it's genetic. You're stuck with it. It's just who you are. You're born this way. You're faulty. That's, that's the new way. That one is even kind of rising, going to rise above the autoimmune way. They're both going to be hand in hand. It's like it's genetic and your body's attacking itself. Your body's attacking itself because it's genetic, because you have a genetic disease and your body's attacking. It's going to go back and forth like that or, or both, both together like that. That's how it's always going to be. And so, and with endometriosis, they're trying to head there. They're trying to head there. They're going to have to. They're going to be like, oh, it's just genetic. And they're going to – or near immune cells are confused or something like that. We'll cover some of their theories, the medical community's theories right now. But it's – but the theories of endometriosis, just, you can't even swallow it. It's down. It's like it's hard to choke down because at least some of the other theories for chronic illness, are, they're ridiculous and they're wrong. But – People can buy into it easier. With endometriosis, it has to be eventually pushed off to those those theories too, the ones that, okay, it's genetic or the body's confused. It's going to have to go there because they just they just don't know how it occurs. It's, it, it's like that with chronic illness all over the world. You know what I mean? They don't know how really anything occurs at this point. And um, <laughs> it's just how it's always been. So, you know, this show has nothing to do with repackaged or recycled theory, made to sound like a new understanding of any kind of illness, just for the record. The information here doesn't come from medical interest groups, medical funding with strings attached, botched research, thumb on the scale, you know, investors investing in a project. So the outcome has to has to be biased and, and fall into the investor's liking because they'll never invest again in that person or that 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 technician. Um, internal medical, internal kickbacks, none of that going on here. No medical lobbyists involved with any information that's ever been on this show ever, 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 ever that have been given out to people to help them heal. No persuaded belief systems, which is really dark. Persuaded belief systems ends up make, make, making money underneath the table so that, so that citations of studies and peer reviews and all this other garbage and junk science gets out there. And then that's why everybody's still sick and chronically still sick and chronically still sick because of all those repackaged theories. Private panels of influencers, you wouldn't believe how many of those are in alternative medicine, conventional medicine. You guys have no idea. Health field payoffs and trendy traps. Trendy traps really stink because trendy traps just get people confused. They make them do dangerous liver flushes. They make their gallbladders, you know, need need surgeries because stones get caught in the gallbladder from, you know, liver flushes. They uh, all kinds of different cleanses hurting the liver, hurting the body and different things because they're all not done right. Because that's just the way it works, trendy traps, from high-fat diets to, you know, diets that just don't make sense when someone has a certain disease or a certain problem and they eat a certain way, for, but it's all for the wrong, it's all wrong because it's not right for the disease or condition or symptom they have. All that trendy stuff that gets made, swirls around over and over again, from doing bacon soda, to, from filling your intestinal tract with bacon soda, from doing, from doing coffee enemas. Enemas are fine, but coffee enemas, like all the, the swirling 
bowl that goes around around when no one under no one understands doesn't make you get better or make you feel better only gets you worse while you're chronically sick with no answers because no one understands how Epstein-Barr really truly works, how viruses really truly work, how SIBO is really just the strep bacterium, how all these different things, all, how Lyme disease is, is, oh my God, just you got to get the Lyme chapter. You got to read the Lyme chapter out of Medical Medium Book One. I talk about Lyme a little bit in Thyroid Healing, but Medical Medium Book One, I really laid out and it's timeless it's classic even though that was a couple years ago it's classic and timeless because it's 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 what it is it's the truth the truth is the truth and the truth just stands there like that and um it doesn't matter how many genetic theories and autoimmune theories of the body attacking itself and that are wrong and 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 backwards out there so here's the deal the information in the show it comes from a pure untampered with uncontaminated place a clean clean source of information. I was given a gift at age four. I've dedicated my life in, in giving the information that comes. And um, and yeah, so it's been for you this whole time. So we can get you better. I've helped people get better who have lived great lives all these years after being debilitated, debilitatingly sick with chronic illness with no hope. And so, um, but anyway, we're talking about endometriosis. So let's do that. Let's get into it right away. Thanks for uh, having your patience, having patience <laughs> at, the, at the beginning here. I'm a little bit more lighthearted in this show. I've been pretty heavy, heavy, heavy duty in the other shows. Pretty intense, I mean, pretty intense. A little too sarcastic, a little too intense because, you know, what happens is when, when you know people are suffering out there and you know information is, is backwards, it just it just gets to you. I'm sorry, but it gets to you after year after year after year after year. It gets to you because it's like, aren't we aren't we there yet? Aren't we there yet? What year is it? Aren't we there? I mean, look at the technology we have. Aren't we there? Don't we have answers? Don't we have something better than what's going on? Did you know people are getting sicker and sicker and sicker, faster and younger? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Spirit was right when Spirit told me that's what was coming our way. And Spirit was 100% right, of course, as always. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So that so here's, you know, the endometrium in the uterus, the tissue lining there um, grows inside the uterus. What happens is those endometrial cells, they, they get out, somehow get outside of the uterus and they start to grow. That's, that's all we know is somehow they get outside they get outside the uterus. So that's that's what we know right there. That's basically it. And it's it's not a lot. It's not a lot. The cells, meaning what we know, it's not a lot. What we do for it, well, you can you have some options. The doctors offer, you could go on the pill. So that's one option they 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 try. It's to try to to try to confuse hormones because they believe the hormones play a role with endometriosis. And um, and they kind of do. They kind of do. They do. In some way, they do. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But all we know really is that these endometrial cells, these endometrial cells somehow get on the outside of the uterus. And then they grow. They grow. They can grow in places on the colon. They can grow in places in the pelvic walls. They can get into the pelvic cavity. They can get into the, the ovary. They can get onto the ovaries. They can get onto the bladder. 
what happens is with symptoms that people have is that women have is, you know, spastic colon, even though that's actually not understood by medical communities. They don't really understand that part, but, but spastic colon. So lots of colon spasms can occur. So when these endometrial cells are actually on the outside of the colon and they're creating and little, little, um, little pods and little cysts and adhesions and micro adhesions to larger adhesions to macro adhesions are growing on the outside of the colon, it's triggering off nerves. So then when uh, you have your menstrual cycle, then all of a sudden that happens and all this pressure builds up and puts pressure up against the colon and it pushes those pods into the colon a little bit. It presses up against the colon and then it touches nerves and then colon spasms happen. So with a lot of women, when they're cramping, they're not just cramping from having a cycle. A lot of women with endometriosis, they're not just cramping from having a cycle. So you guys, you probably, many of you with endometriosis probably experience so much like this. And what happens is it's also cramping from the colon spasms. And that's what makes it really difficult, really difficult, because <clears throat> once these once these cells are growing and these little tiny macro adhesions and micro adhesions are are developing and the cells are are kind of prospering and and developing and 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 growing and that's happening on the outside of the colon. So the minute you have your menstrual cycle and everything swells, everything swells. And same with ovulating every and during ovulation time too everything swells ovaries swell they expand so what happens is there's pressure there's not a lot of space in here everybody thinks everybody thinks that internally we have all the space they all everybody does i, I honestly i've noticed this even practitioners there's the practitioners out there and different healers and even some doctors they they think there's a lot of space in there not not everybody thinks this but most everybody in your own body, you think there's a lot of space. There's no space in there. Everything's squeezed. Everything's already squeezed tight. Everything is tightly squeezed. Everything. The ovaries are packed in there. Uterus. Everything is packed in there. Everything's tight. Your liver, your gallbladder, everything's tight. Your intestinal tract, your colon, it's all it's all tight. Connective tissue all happening. It's just all packed tight and then what happens is that all you need all you need is a few things occurring so say you're a woman and you have some lymphedema and you're you have a little bit of edema that means fluid retention so you're dealing with some fluid and i'm not just talking about weight or or extra weight gain i'm talking about fluid retention just a little bit of that happening periodically and you have endometriosis the fluid retention puts pressure. This isn't even a cycle or a period, a menstrual cycle I'm talking about now. Fluid retention, it puts pressure on everything in there. There's no place to go with that fluid retention, especially lymphatic system. There's no place to go. So that pressure alone can be uncomfortable when you're dealing with endometriosis periodically, make it really uncomfortable. Um, these experiences could be really uncomfortable if your bladder gets too full. So if your bladder gets, to, if you're holding in a a pee, <laughs> if you're holding in a pee, and you know your kidneys 
got as much pee as they can hold in in your bladders. So you're holding that in with everything you have, and you got endometriosis. And the extra urine in the bladder pushes, you know, kind of blows the bladder up a little bit like a balloon. And it's got a little bit of those pods or it has a little bit of the intramitrial cell sitting on outside the bladder. And they're all touching nerves. So the minute you have a little bit more urine in your bladder, oh, my God, it's going to hurt. It could burn. It could hurt. It could be un- it could be painful. You can get spastic bladder, something actually medical communities are really not too familiar with the spastic bladder. So, and you can get these bladder spasms, lots of these nerve-related bladder spasms. So it's nerves triggering off the bladder because the nerves are sensitive because they got, they got the intramitrial cells in the little pods, little microadhesions, macroadhesions attached to the outside of the bladder. So then all of a sudden you're getting these spasms. And that occurs. And, you know, every, every woman is different because they'll, you know, you could have a little bit on the bladder. You could have a little bit on the colon. You could have a little bit around the ovaries. You can have just one spot, a little bit around the colon and nowhere else. And you're getting some colon spasms. So when you have your menstrual cycle and there's all this pressure building up and pressure building up from the menstrual cycle, it could put pressure up against the colon more because everything's so packed tightly. And then all of a sudden, it's pushing those little tiny cells into nerves. And when those get pushed into nerves, you're like, oh, my God. You're like, this is a, such an uncomfortable menstrual cycle. This is brutal. Whether you're bleeding heavy or not. Some women, they're not bleeding heavy, and they're just, they're just in agony and pain. Some women are bleeding heavy, and they're in agony and pain too. So it's either or. And then – and then um when those little nerves are being touched by the pressure of a menstrual cycle pushing up against the colon and pushing against those pods and microadhesions and pushing them into the colon, then you got, you got spastic colon occurring. I mean, I've seen it's some women, I mean, that have called and they're just like over the years and they're just like, they're like, Oh my God, I'm on the floor. Or their husband would call, call me and just be like, look, I need to, they're on the floor. They're having, you know, this is what she goes through all the time. We have to do something about it. And, and you know, and that's, that's what women go through when they're dealing with endometriosis. And so we're going to talk about what to do, actually, to help stop endometriosis, to stop it from growing. Because that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to stop it from growing. You want to shut it down. And there are some great things you can do to shut it down. So we're going to cover that. And so when people go into a spastic colon, you got to put heat on their belly. Hot water bottle up against their belly a moist, hot um, towel, anything like that, that does help to get women through spasms when they're going through that. But it's no, it's no fun. It's brutal. I mean, you guys know. You guys know how brutal it is. And the same thing with spastic urinary issues with the bladder too. Um, and, and that's also a real, you know, that's a real hot spot, real trigger spot right there. And then ovary pain, that's a whole other story. So when you have the, the microadhesions, the macroadhesions, and you have the little pods, and you have the little cysts, and you have the little growths from endometrial, endometrial cells, you have that going on around the ovaries. And that's also really difficult too because you can get some serious ovarian pain, especially during ovulation and so forth. So, And everything's so packed tight, things are hitting nerves. Why do you think the pain and the spasms come? Because nerves actually are the reason for pain and spasms because the nerves are being touched or or pushed upon or jabbed in one way or another in order for that to happen. And that's how we get into that place. So 
endometriosis is such a mystery to the medical world. Absolute mystery. I mean, they use the pill to try to address it, to get people, get, get women some results and relief. But how does the pill do that? Is it really blocking hormones or altering hormones? Is it doing that in order to give somebody relief? What it is doing is it's a steroid. So all, all contraceptives that's, that are like that, like the pill, hormonal-based contraceptives, they're all, they're, um, they're actually steroids. And what happens is with any condition of the body, doesn't matter what it is, whatever disease, illness, symptom, condition, mystery symptom, whatever it is, steroids are one of these go-to moments, one of these go-to situations for medical research and science. They have really not too many options. They got immunosuppressives for people. They got painkillers. They got steroids. They got antibiotics. That's pretty much what's going on in the medical industry. There's not much outside of that besides a few blood blood thinners. And if you want to go into antidepressant land and and um, and antipsychotic drugs, that's another story. But the point is, there's not many. There's not. There's a lot of medications, but not a lot of options and small groups of medication. What I'm saying is, you think there's a lot more options. You got steroids. You got antibiotics. You got immune suppressives. Immunosuppressives. I mean, it's a small group, and you got painkillers. So research and science really doesn't have a magic, magic pill. And a lot of women, they don't, they don't respond to a steroid. They don't respond to the pill. They don't respond to the pill for, their, for, for endometriosis. Um, some do where it eases things, and, and many don't. So it's hit or miss, too. When they do respond, it's because the steroid aspect of the pill is suppressing the the inflammation part of the issue. So you get inflammation. So what happens is endometrial cells, um, when they're clinging, when they're on the outside of the uterus and they're in the pelvic cavity and they're in areas and they're 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 on oh they're on the outside of the colon or they're up against the bladder, they create in they're they're kind of creating inflammation. But they're not really creating inflammation themselves, these little endometrial cells. Something else is, and we're about to talk about that in a little bit. So inflammation is, is being is created around this situation. I'm going to talk about that and clear that up a little bit so you know what's going on there. And so what's happening is when you take the pill, which is a, a variety of steroid, it's a type of steroid, what happens is that you get some suppression of it. That's, that's what goes on. Um, women with, uh, severe, severe, severe endometriosis, they actually sometimes put them on not just the pill, but they put them on additional steroids periodically to try to get, to try to get everything to calm down. So, but there's, there's not a lot of options. So there's not a lot of things going on there in the medical world. And it's still a complete mystery to research and science. But there's ways to actually stop it. There's ways to diminish it. There's ways to, to push it back. And we can do that naturally through foods. We can do that naturally through certain supplements. So we're going to go into those. So we've covered a lot with what's happening here. And then the symptoms are really, you know, you get the painful periods. The, you get Also, when you're going to the bathroom, the bowel movements can be really, really difficult. So when elimination is occurring, that's difficult because when you have peristaltic action on the colon, 
and the colon's twisting. It's, it's, it's squeezing and the peristaltic action's happening and it's got the little pods and a little microadhesions on the outside of the colon um, tickling the nerves and it's, it's twisting or, or squeezing, I'm sorry, peristaltic action occurring where the, the, the colon's actually getting messages from nerves to actually move so that your elimination can come out of you, okay, and end up in the toilet. When that's happening, you could be really in a lot of pain, a lot of pain from that. And that's one of the things so many women go through. And it gets confused. It gets confusing. Um, and there's a lot of times you can go to 10 doctors and one doctor be like, I don't know what this is. Uh, I think you just got IBS. Another doctor be like, I, I don't know what's going on. And then you get some women that have a little bit of IBS and they have endometriosis or they have endometriosis, but it's not causing the problem. And what they really have is something happening in the intestinal tract. It's there's so the, the it's really difficult out there. It's so not clear cut and it's not easy. And it should be. That's the hard part about chronic illness and everything that I deal with. You wonder why I get snarky and you wonder why I get sarcastic and you wonder why I talk about how the information here is different than the the recycled theory that's out there. There's a reason why I talk about all that because it should be easier. We shouldn't have to go through this. I've seen a lot of women and young women have to go to doctor and doctor to doctor. I've heard their stories out there. And they've had to, they, the different answers everywhere. One doctor's like, oh, no, it's really this. One doctor's like, oh, it's that. We think you have endometriosis. We're going to have to do this and this to do this. And meanwhile, no, that's not even what's causing the pain or the problem or the discomfort. And nope, and you got this. And then it's it's endless. And maybe it's just candida and you got chronic yeast infections. We can't tell yet. We're going to figure this out. And it's just lots of tests, a lot of different confusion. And then you get blood work and you're, you know, you're going to another specialist. And yet then you, you, know, you leave with some kind of prescri- prescription or you leave with a pill if you're not already on it. And then regardless of all that, you're still not doing good a year later. Then you end up getting fatigue. Nobody talks about that. You get the fatigue and now you're tired and now you don't feel good and you're getting migraines and it's, it's, all that going on, you know, with young women having to deal with that and, 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 and older women having to deal with that, it's really, really difficult. And it shouldn't have to be that way in this day and age. We shouldn't have to be there. We just shouldn't have to be there when you really think about it. So there's a lot of theories out there. Let's talk about the theories for a couple of minutes. So... Science and research, they don't know how they they don't know how endometriosis occurs. They don't know what happens. They they got some guesses. So they've done a lot of round table guesses and had a lot of people talking and to figure out what, you know, a lot of the top doctors in the world and and um and big pharma and everything they've gotten together and they've they've come along with, you know, science and research come along with a few theories. Um so one is called something like the uh um the um, let's see, there's different the, the peritoneal theory. So what this means is the inner abdomen, the inner side of the abdomen. Cells line the inner side of the abdomen because the immune system creates this problem. It's really, or it's hormones or the immune system create the problem. So you got you got endometrial cells that are lining the inside of the abdomen. So it's like the peritoneal theory. So that's one. Um, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. So then there's a the retrograde theory. So it's called retrograde. That's another theory out there. And, then, you know, and, and, and look, I'm not an expert on the theories 
that are out there. I'm not an expert on the bogus theories. So don't, you know, don't quote me on the exact bogus theory thing. Um, I'm an expert at the truth and the information that you need and the truth of what causes whatever, you know, whatever disease, illness and, and everything. That's where I'm an expert at, of course. And I say that because luckily I got spirit and that's why I'm an expert. I wouldn't be without spirit. So it's not me being smart. I'm not a smart guy. Okay. I never went to school. It's because of spirit. So the bottom line is these theories that are out there, um, they're, 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 they're tough to swallow. So the retrograde theory, that's when you're having a menstrual cycle. So menstruation is occurring and blood throws back up through the fallopian tubes into the pelvic cavity, spreading cells. I, I like that theory. You know, I, I, I like it a little bit because, you know, it's, it's, it's reasonable. <laughs> it's a reasonable theory. So that's one there. It is reasonable. Um, Anyway, another theory science and research has its embryonic cell transformation. I think that's what they call it, uh, if my memory serves me right. I mean, you can look up these theories out there and look this up. You'll, you'll, you, know, you could probably read as much information as you want on it. And this has to do with uh, intramitrial cell implants. So it's, it's all about estrogen and, and, and intramitrial cell implants. So you can read into that one. Um, so that, you know, these are still all theories. Another theory is C-section or a surgery. So when a woman gets a C-section or gets a surgery, that endometrial cells, they tend to find their way into the incisions, into the scar, into the incisions or where the surgery or the injury was. And the endometrial cells tend to get in there and they spread and grow. It's a believable theory. So it's kind of believable. That's one, two. And then there's um, there's another theory. It's uh, cell transport. I like this one probably the best out of all the theories out there in the medical communities or the medical science and research world. Endometrial cell transport. This is when lymph your lymphatic system transports cells to other areas of the body. So endometrial cells to the other area of the body. So look, the bottom line is an alien isn't coming out from outer space and taking endometrial cells and taking those endometrial cells and placing them around the body. So there has to be a way they have to get around the body. There has to be a way. You know, an alien's not coming out of the sky and doing it. So, <laughs> all right, all right, we won't be talking that silly. Um, so, so that's another theory too. And then there's another theory, the immune system disorder which it's always going to go here and lead here, like meaning in the sense that this, this is the theory it's always going to land on, which is your immune system is attacking itself. Your body's distorted. You know what I mean? Because your body's twisted. It's, 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 it's attacking itself. It doesn't know what's right or what's wrong. It doesn't know what's up and down. This is the autoimmune theory. So it always goes in there. The body can't recognize and destroy the endometrial cells. So what's happening is these endometrial cells are getting on the outside of the uterus and they're finding their way into the pelvic cavity and your body isn't recognizing them to destroy them. So they're just growing. It's kind of a little bit of the backwards a backwards rendition of autoimmune disease, but it's still in the same category where they're putting it, where your body's creating this. It's an immune system disorder and your body can't recognize and destroy these endometrial cells. So that's where that one is. That's a theory too, all on its own. So I'm just running to some of the theories 
of modern medicine. But no matter how you slice the pie, no matter how you slice the cake or whatever you want to do, um, the, the, the bottom line is some medical science researchers saying we don't know how these cells get on the outside of the uterus. We don't know how they get there. They just do. They just do. That's the bottom line. So there's a couple of things that happen with, there's a couple of things. So let's go into, um, let's go into the nitty gritty. Let's go into the deep stuff. Let's go into the real McCoy. Let's go into the, the real deal. Okay. Of what's really going on and what's happening with endometriosis. We have a couple of things. One thing you have to understand here is endometrial cells have a life to them like no other. They have a life to them like no other. So we're dealing with the uterus here. We're dealing with the maker of life. Someone might argue and say, well, the egg is the maker of life before it even gets into the uterus, so you're wrong, Anthony. Someone else might say, well, the ovaries are the maker of life, so you're definitely wrong there. Well, no, 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 no. The uterus, you can have all the eggs you want, and you can have the, you know, your, your ovaries can be perfect, but the uterus has to keep life sustained for those nine months. The uterus has to keep life sustained. So precious life, a living being has to be sustained and protected and in good standing, <laughs> more than good standing, protected a little angelic being inside the uterus and a little baby. And so the uterus is a, a really fierce, fierce, fierce protector of life. That's what the uterus is. Endometrial cells are programmed with information, tremendous amounts of information. I mean, honestly, the information in one endometrial cell would probably explode a computer, a computer's database, would just overwhelm it, override it. I'm not, I'm not computer savvy or anything. I'm not, a big, I'm not a big tech savvy person, but you get the drift of what I'm trying to say. The information, literally, if it was somehow decoded or somehow downloaded from one endometrial cell, it would have centuries and centuries and centuries and thousands of years of information within it from the human species alone and how life sustains itself and how life is protected within the uterus and everything around it. So the will for an endometrial cell to survive is great. It's great. It's great. And so that's something just to, to realize and just consider of what you're dealing with. Like if you don't know what you're dealing with, then you're going to underestimate it. You don't know what you're dealing with, then you're going to call the wrong shots. If you don't know what you're dealing with, then you're not going to know what causes what and what disease, what illness. If you don't know what you're dealing with, like they don't know what they're still dealing with with Lyme disease out there. I'm sorry to say that. If that confuses you, get my Lyme chapter from book one. Just read it. If you don't know what you're dealing with, that's not good. That's where we go wrong right at the beginning if we don't even know what we're dealing with. If we don't understand the uterus and we don't know what we're dealing with to a degree with the uterus or any kind of cells uterus-based or any kind of endometrial cells, if we don't know what we're dealing with here, 
And I'm saying that over and over again because it's that intense. Then we don't know where we really stand. We don't know where we really stand. We don't. We don't. What happens is the uterus, a uterus has to be clean. It has to be clean. What does that mean? What does that mean? You have your menstrual cycle. It's cleaning itself out, preparing itself to sustain life. But it has to be clean. Clean from what? Clean from poisons and clean from toxins. Clean from poisons. Clean from toxins. Clean from pathogens. Clean from viruses. Clean from bacteria. Clean from heavy metals. Clean from from poisons and toxins. Clean from troublemakers. Clean from all of those troublemakers. Clean. What does that mean? Why am I saying that over and over again? I'm saying it over and over again. Because what happens is that the endometrial cells are used, used to leave the uterus with a poison or a toxin in it to keep the uterus clean. That's what's going on. How do they get out of the uterus? We'll talk about that in a couple of seconds. But the point is, is that they're carrying something. The uterus does not want those cells inside the uterus. That's how this is done. So those endometrial, those endometrial cells, if they were studied with the right kind of science, we're just not there yet. We don't have science that could study much of anything. We're playing around with genes, and that's all fun and dandy. And it's all because they're they're interested in cloning. So they want they want all this money going into genes and genes, and then they'll tell you that genes are the reason why we're sick. So more money gets dumped into it, more money, more investing gets dumped into it. But meanwhile, they're not working on any of that. What they're working on is just more cloning, more cloning, more cloning. They want to clone monkeys. They want to clone humans. They want to clone. It's just cloning. It's a sick, sick, sick cloning game that's being. That's being built without anybody's permission or anybody knowing about it. Just so you know, that's why they throw the gene theory at us all the time. It's so we, we, we have everybody, everybody becomes a pawn, meaning, meaning experts become a pawn, um, wealthy people become a pawn, and they dump more and more money into the factory of genes so, so they can say they're working on our mysteries of healing us in chronic illness, but what they're really doing is they're just sitting there privately working on trying to clone and clone and clone and clone and do other sinister things and devious things. But science and research really doesn't do anything about anything else. So when you have these endometrial cells, and these endometrial cells, they're literally packed with not only information and a will to survive and a will to live, but they're harboring a poison and a toxin. They've been kicked out of the uterus. They've been kicked out. And they've been kicked out. They, they're not just kicked out during menstrual cycles. That's not enough. They get kicked out in between it all. They get pushed out. Endometrial cells get pushed out through the lining of the uterus, a process that, that no one knows. Now, what I liked about was one of the theories that they have, which I, I, actually, I actually thought it was a cool theory. Um, it was when the fallopian tubes, it went backwards. It was the retrograde menstrual cycle where your cycle, the, the, you know, blood actually pushed up with cells in it backwards up through the fallopian tube and out into the pelvic cavity. 
I did like that theory a lot. It's not quite accurate. A mor- another miraculous theory, but it's not quite accurate. I, I, I like it. And I say I like it because it's it's really cool. And it's is it possible? It, you know what? It, it It's possible that blood can go through there. I've asked spirit, and spirit says, yeah, blood could go up it, up the fallopian tube. But what's really happening, and that's rare situations, by the way, what's really happening, and because endometriosis is not rare, it's common, cells are actually being pushed through the lining of the uterus. That's what's happening. And you can't, you can't see it or record it or, or understand it because unless you live inside of a human being's body, unless you live inside of a woman's body and live in there, which you can't, you'll never see the process. The process is just impossible to understand. But cells are pushed through the walls of the, of the uterus. These are cells that have poison in them that have to leave the uterus. A lot of women have tremendous amounts of heavy metals in them. Lots of mercury, lead, aluminum, arsenic, cadmium, nickel, barium. I don't know, more, more than that, copper, and, and even more than that. And these toxic heavy metals are just one thing, but that's not, why these, that's not why these cells are being pushed through the uterus and out the other way. These cells are being pushed through because they're loaded with pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides, larvicides. They're loaded with all the neuroantagonists and all the dangerous chemicals that are actually within these. They're loaded with um, um, uh, dangerous chemicals that are in colognes and perfumes and hairspray. They're loaded with, these cells get loaded with everything that we not only inherit through our family line, like DDT. So we inherit DDT. We get that from our family line, not only mercury from our family line, not only those poisons. We get a lot more poisons than that every single day. We're here. Nanotechnology finds its way inside the uterus all the time. So nanotechnology actually finds its way in the uterus. And that's on everything we have today. And then there's poisons in foods. And then there's pharmaceuticals too. And all the pharmaceutical poison that we inherit, that we inherit it, that we have in our system from our forefathers, foremothers, and then we already have them. And then we bring in more pharmaceutical poison and more pharmaceutical poison. And then on top of that, I mean, it's endless all the way to air fresheners, all the way to air fresheners. It's everything. It's poison from every avenue. Solvents, I mean, that are on everything that, you, that we don't even know about. Carpet cleaning chemicals. It's, that, that's just some. These are just some of the exposure we get. Pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, especially fungicides, are on everything. They're on clothing. Fungicides are all over new clothing, just all over new clothing. And they find their way. These, these, these poisons get in deep into the uterus. And the uterus is the life protector. It has to do everything it can to get rid of these poisons. So, so it literally launches a campaign, a direction. It launches, it la- launches an operation to excrete poisons using endometrial cells. And the reason why science and research is never going to tap into this, ever touch upon it, ever do anything about it, is because it will then showcase 
all the poisons. They'll have to do profiles on these poisons. They'll have to take an endometrial cell and they'll have to do a profile on the poison. And they're going to find everything in there. They're going to find every, every chemical from every chemical factory that should be shut down. It literally should be shut down. Trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in lawsuits. Hundreds of trillions of dollars in lawsuits. Because, I mean, because these, these chemicals that are in women's bodies, I mean, just imagine what would be where that would go if that was all discovered and all profiled and science and research decided to make a database of what's in every cell. They don't. They won't. They don't want to know any of that. No one wants to know anything. No one wants to know anything in the industries. So the uterus sends these cells out, pushes these cells out, and these cells have a life force. And they're really, really tiny. These cells start out so tiny, but they harbor not only tremendous amounts of information of life, life force and needing to grow and needing to live because they get that information automatically from years and years of, I mean, from for years and years of being in human history, of a woman's human being in history and, and life force to create life, but from the uterus and then they harbor that information and have that information to, to, to grow and to become is, is, yeah, is part of it. But they do need to be triggered in order to do that too. So not only are they filled with poison, but the endometrial cells are not supposed to be triggered into growing into pods and adhesions, microadhesions, macroadhesions, cysts all through the pelvic cavity, pelvic wall, on top of the bladder, on top of the colon. They're not supposed to do that. They're not. But they're filled with a poison that pathogens love to feed off of. They're filled with a poison that pathogens love to feed off of. And there are plenty of pathogens to be had in the pelvic wall, in the pelvic region, in the pelvic cavity. There's pathogens to be had with a lot of women have a lot of pathogens in certain areas. And they are in the lymphatic vessels. They are on the outside of the colon, these pathogens. They are on the inside of the colon, these pathogens. They are on the inside of the bladder. They are on the outside of the bladder. These pathogens are available. They're there. They're around. And when any kind of pathogen feeds off of an endometrial cell, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, a, a bonafide package. It's like a Christmas present of poisons and toxins because the uterus needs to eliminate that poison and toxin with everything it has so that a being can be free from it inside the uterus, even though sometimes the beings in the uterus may not be free from it because there's so much poison and toxin inherited or there in general or be, or are coming in on every level. And so you have these intramutrial cells that are not supposed to be growing and they're not they're supposed to be pushed out and discarded, but they end up becoming also food for pathogens. So that's one thing that occurs because a pod can only grow and a microadhesion, a macroadhesion and a cyst can only grow from a pathogen feeding off of a cell. A certain human cell. Well, the endometrial cell is a food for a pathogen, which will then grow a cyst, a pod, a macroadhesion, a microadhesion. So with women with endometriosis, we have to keep pathogen levels down. We have to keep bacterial and viral pathogens down. Any of these pathogens, any of the viral and bacterial pathogens can, can feed off of poisons in these endometrial cells that get kicked out of the uterus, pushed out of the uterus. 
And, um, and, and so this is really important to understand. And so what do we need to do about it? And that's the whole next thing we have to talk about right now is what do we need to do about it? So what do we do? First of all, we got to deal with foods. Foods are critical. You got to think about foods. And what I recommend with anybody with severe endometriosis is to go 100% plant-based for a little while in their life. It doesn't mean they have to be like that forever if they don't want to, but it would go plant-based for a little bit. A little bit. It's just, it's just, it's like if someone says, well, hey, you know, it's like when your doctor says, hey, take this medication for a little bit and then we'll see, we'll take you off of it. It doesn't mean that doctor is so pro-medication or whatever. It doesn't mean whatever. It's just what's right for the moment the doctor believes. And in the case of endometriosis, what spirit believes is you really, really need to be plant-based. And that's something to consider. Stay away from the most of the grains is what is what's important when you're dealing with endometriosis. Stay away from most of the grains. Be grain-free and and even consider the 28-day cleanse in Medical Medium Book 1 and take a look at that and consider the 28-day cleanse. Even if you do that for a little while and see where your menstrual cycles are, see what's going on and then see what your doctor's reports are as every every few months when you're getting ultrasounds or getting a CAT scan or however your doctor deals with taking a look and seeing what's what's going on with your endometriosis. Um so foods, no dairy products. It feeds, it feeds the very pathogens. Any pathogen can take advantage of an endometrial, endometrial cell that's filled with loaded, loaded with toxins. So you have to take foods because foods literally um, will feed any pathogen to begin with. And you want to get rid of all pathogens and any possibility of pathogens. You want to get away dairy. You want to get away from dairy. That's milk, cheese, butter. You want to get away from eggs, 100% away from eggs. You want to even keep the meats out, like I said before. No meats, no chicken, no turkey. You want to go back to that down the road. You can probably go back to that down the road, but you want to really, really go plant-based and see how you feel and see where you are in the moment. But foods are critical. No corn, no, you know, no pork, no corn, no canola. Canola tends to aggravate the heck out of endometriosis, meaning like it makes it prosper and grow. So be really cautious with that. That's important. No soy with endometriosis. That's another thing too. So canola, soy, got to be careful there, okay? And and making sure there's, you know, you we want to stay away from processed foods for sure, but you got to be careful overall with whatever you're doing with foods, no gluten, and just try to be grain-free for a while. I would be working on a lot of sweet potatoes, sweet potatoes for dinner every single night. I would be doing the heavy metal detox smoothie in the morning. I'd be doing the celery juice in the morning, heavy metal detox smoothie in the morning. I'd be doing um, lots of snacks like apples and celery, dates, apples, celery all through the day. Lunchtime, I'd have an avocado and a salad of spinach. Um, that's what I would do there. Salad of spinach, tomatoes, cucumbers, avocados at night, you know, at night for dinner, I would be doing, um, sweet potatoes in a salad, a whole bunch of sweet potatoes and a salad and not a lot of dressing on a salad. You could probably get away with maybe, um, you squeeze lemon, squeeze limes on the salad, maybe a teaspoon of olive oil on the salad. You can throw a few hemp seeds in the salad that can work too. Maybe a little of avocado. You don't want your fats too high, but this would be a perfect diet. You could also do winter squash at the end of the day too, but sweet potato is really important. I would I would lean on the sweet potatoes and try to live off of those practically. So instead of doing chicken or turkey at night for dinner, I would lean on those sweet potatoes. It would be, so the morning, celery juice. Then it would be heavy metal detox smoothie. Okay, look into that to figure it out, you know, to know which one, how that works. From there, 
I would go to more snacks from lunchtime, avocado and a salad. That would be perfectly fine. Spinach, different lettuces, tomatoes, and cucumbers in the afternoon. Dates, celery sticks, apples. At nighttime, dinner time, lots of sweet potatoes and a salad again. I would stay plant-based while you have endometriosis. That's one diet that I would do with endometriosis, and you're going to start seeing results. The other thing is lots and lots of lemon balm, high dosages. I would do like two, three cups of lemon balm tea a day. I would do two, I would mix equal parts, you know, like, like I would do cups of tea where it have two lemon balm bags of tea, two bags in one cup, two bags of, of nettle leaf, you know, with that in one, it would be like literally four bags of tea. Basically, here's what you need to do. Make a big jug, of, <laughs> big jug of tea and put a lot of nettle leaf and a lot of lemon balm in it and drink that periodically through the day. You can even switch that off with raspberry leaf like on another day and just do straight raspberry leaf on that day. This is, this is what really gets the endometrial cells to also clean how. See, here's the thing. When you have these endometrial cells and they're filled with poisons and toxins and they've been kicked out of the uterus for a very good reason and they're sitting on the outside anywhere in the pelvic cavity and all around the bladder or anywhere it is that they're finding their way. You want to clean those up too. You want to clean the poisons out of those endometrial cells. When you clean the poisons out of there, pathogens won't even care. They won't even feed off of those poisons to create a cyst or create a tumor or create anything going on inside the pelvic wall or, or anywhere on the bladder or the colon. Okay, so other supplements. Getting your zinc reserves is good. You know, get, Find the right zinc on the directory if you need to. That's important. If you look at the heavy metal detox smoothie, you'll see it's got the spirulina, the barley grass. Look at the right ones to get on my directory uh, on medical medium. Black cohosh can be an herb you can you can play with. You can talk to your practitioner and doctor about black black cohosh. It can be helpful sometimes depending on if you're on medications or not. You can talk to your doctor practitioner. And vitamin C, I would consider vitamin C too and B12. So those are the supplements I would bring in and those are the teas I would bring in. And I would do lots of parsley, lots of cilantro in your salads if you can. Um, consider that. You can juice parsley with celery if you really had to or juice it with cucumber and celery. Throw an apple in there in between it all. These are the things I would do. I'd focus on the foods. I'd focus on that kind of diet. I would focus on these kinds of supplements. <clears throat> and then what's going to happen is the heavy metal detox movie is going to start removing heavy metals from the outside of the uterus too and from the inside of the uterus and from everywhere else. It's also going to be removing other poisons and toxins that are in these endometrial cells so that they don't become food and fodder for pathogens that are in everyone, pathogens that are in everyone, in everybody's liver and going into the reproductive system. And I'm talking about all the HHVs to Epstein-Barr to all the streps in different groups of strep to all the other groups of bacteria that would, that could be harboring and that are naturally in people. And you have to understand that these pathogens love to feed off of food that's poison and toxin. When you start clearing this up and cleaning this up, your, your uterus won't be kicking out as many endometrial cells to begin with. They won't even grow when they're on the outside. They won't be triggered by viruses and your immune system will get stronger and things will be in the right place. I love you guys. That's the direction we got to go. Take one day at a time. This is a start. We're going to do another endometriosis show. We're going to do another one coming up too eventually, and we're going to cover some other things. Bless your heart. Bye-bye.